Welcome to the Therapist Space Podcast, a space where the mental health discussion is intentionally brought from the back room to the front porch. I'm your host, Jess Jocelyn, your favorite therapist and goal-setting guru. This space is dedicated to bringing you bi-weekly, intentional, authentic, and exciting conversations about mental health and wellness. While I know you'll gain so much value from this podcast, this is a quick reminder that these conversations are not a substitute for an ongoing relationship with a mental health professional. Good morning, good morning, and welcome to the therapist space. I am so excited to have my guest today, Ms. Alicia Tiggs Merritt. Ms. Merritt is a leader in education, a speaker, a poet, a wife, a mom, a licensed cosmetologist, event planner, multi-business owner who has answered the call to serve her community and change the world. Alicia writes for readers and learners of all ages. She inspires to inspire and empower people through writing, speaking, and serving as an advocate for positive change through effective communication. So welcome this morning, Alicia, to the therapist space. I'm so excited to have you here. And so now tell us the who, the what, and the why. Tell us who you are, what you do, and why it was important for you to share in this space. Thanks so much, Jocelyn, for having me. Who am I? I am happy. If I had to describe myself, happy, truly happy. What? What I do, you know, I, you listed all of those things that I, I do currently. In a nutshell, what I do is advocate for positive change. I want to reach as many people as I can in any way that I can. And why? Because it was time. It was time to, to, to stop being silenced. It was time to just put me aside and speak and live for my purpose and in my purpose. And that's a pretty powerful purpose at that. So that's my why, because I could no longer be silent. Okay, that is so interesting. I can't wait to hear more about your journey. You have written a book that is, I feel inspirational to say the least. Tell us, before we get into the book, tell us a little bit about your personal mental health journey with some of the things that you experienced as a child. You know, experience is, is a word. It, that's the way we will describe it, right? My journey was just that. It was a rocky one. I started mentally well, as a kid, I was, I was really happy. I recall being a bubbly kid. I recall loving to sing. I love music. I love family. I love all of those things. And then during my experiences, I just, I completely changed. Um, I went from shiny to just being dark. I hated life. I didn't, I literally did not want to be here anymore. Um, you know, so that speaks a lot about where I was as far as my mental health in my journey or throughout my journey, somewhere along the line, I decided I want to live and I don't want to just live. I want to thrive. I want to be able to help others, um, not experience the, the things that I went through and, or learn that the things that they experienced are not holding them down. I want to help people help themselves, I guess I would say. So for me, I went from 
the darkness to shining and to no longer allowing anything or anyone to dim my light, right? So I am truly happy now. It's been a journey to say the very least. And I'm just so grateful to literally be here on earth. (laughs) So you wrote a book, Ripped Pages from My Diary, Writing Wrong Touch. It's a very powerful book. Tell our listeners what inspired you to go ahead and pin some of the things that you did in your book. Okay, so I decided to write the book just as another part of my journey, saying that I can no longer be silenced. And the one person, the one thing that can silence you is you, right? So there was a conversation about someone who took their life and they were talking about, you know, that person. I just wanted to share my story. I wanted to leave my mark here. I wanted to have a way to reach others. And reading is one of those ways to do it. I wanted to make sure that there was some way, if I were to leave this world tomorrow, my children would have a tool, a piece of communication to where they were able to learn some of the ways to acknowledge right touch, wrong touch, what's right, what's wrong. It's okay to share how you feel. Don't just bottle it all in. And I just really wanted to help everybody. Um, As a matter of fact, I didn't even want to release the book because my, you know, I'm from the Mississippi Delta and I don't know if that has any bearing on anywhere else in the world, but there you shut your mouth. If you have an issue, you deal with it in-house. You don't just go out writing it in a book (laughs) for any reason, you know, Um, you deal with it right there in the house. And I was always too afraid to speak out because of how it would make the family look, how it would hurt my mama, how it would affect everybody else. But you know what? I said, well, what about me? What about my children? What about all of those children who don't have someone who understands how to effectively communicate, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Have those ugly conversations that nobody wants to have, but it's going on everywhere, you know? So that's why I released the book. My husband actually, he's like, do it. No, don't, don't sit on it, do it. I was like, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. What about the people at the church and my mama and everybody, you know? Mm-hmm. And he said, do it. And I said, you know what? I'm doing it. And it's done. <laughs> so you mentioned um, cultural things, being from the Mississippi Delta. How did you gain the strength to finally speak up about what was happening to you? Well, I gained the strength by realizing that, you know, feeling bad for yourself, feeling bad for the experience. You know, I don't waddle. I don't do the pity party, you know? I I feel like there's strength in being able to even say the words out loud, you know? So that's where I realized, I was like, I I just, I can't sit on this. When I decided to live, and I mean that quite literally, when I decided to live, I, I did not want to take my life. I wanted to thrive out here in the world and help as many people as I can before I expire on this earth, you know, that's when I decided, yeah, 
do it, make the change. And I gained that strength, not only for myself, but for everybody else. So that's what gave me the courage to just do it. Wonderful. Being a therapist and dealing and talking to and helping women on their journey who have Mm -hmm. been sexually abused in their childhood, like you said, even getting them to say the words can sometimes be very difficult. It can be real. It's it is definitely a journey of healing. It is not an overnight. It is not a one month, two month thing. And therapy, okay. done. But it is definitely a journey of healing. And when you mention that those things culturally, why do you think it in in your opinion that is so hard, particularly in in the African American community, culturally to speak up about sexual abuse? You know, that is, that is a really good question. And I think I'm still developing my true thoughts on that. But I feel at this point, I, I just, I have no idea, honestly. I, I don't know why we are so afraid to help ourselves, to help each other. That boggles me. It, it, I don't know. But I feel like if we link together to say, it's okay it's okay to not be okay, you know? And in that sister, let me, let me help you deal with this. Let us go and seek therapy. I mean, who does that, right? Who actually goes to therapy? Because if you go to therapy, something's wrong with you, right? Your family doesn't have it together. If you have the audacity to acknowledge that there, there is something that, that needs fixing here. And I'm not exactly sure why you know, culturally, it's that way. I guess from my observation, I could say, you know, I don't know, I I would have said lack of resources, but we have that. Even if there is no huge therapy firm or therapy agency in your town, honey, we can do phone conference, video, you know, there's so many ways now. So I'm not entirely sure why culturally, we just, I don't know. One is, Make it seem as if we have it all together. Everybody's everybody's working on themselves, Mm -hmm. you know? So I'm not entirely sure. And, you know, being complicit and other people being complicit in the things that are happening is also Mm -hmm. another huge thing because then, you know, who all knew, who didn't say anything, who should have said, all of that comes into it as well. But in some of my research and preparing for our discussion, the National Uh Intimate Partner Violence and Sexual Violence Survey that was released, it was released some time ago, but some of the statistics were around 3.1 million Black women Mm -hmm. have, um, during that particular time, have either been raped or sexually assaulted by someone that they know. And so looking at those statistics, that fact sheet, I'm thinking, mm-hmm. oh, wow, that's the ones who have reported. That's how it. have not reported. You know what I mean? Like how many people have not said anything, you know? Um, and when we think about, you know, sexual violence against, against women of color, you know, that is a deep rooted history in America. You know, that has some deep roots in America. Oh, it goes deep. Yes, yes, yes. yes. So having the strength to speak out against some things that are happening in your home, outside of your home, Mm -hmm. um, at church, some Mm -hmm. other places, you know, 
being able to speak up and, and say that, you know, can sometimes mean losing family, losing friends, being ridiculed, being called a liar, all of that. So when you did speak up and you wrote this book, what kind of reaction have you gotten from family and friends? Oh my goodness. Let me tell you. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. But when I did it, it was the exact opposite. I was thinking, you know, they're not going to invite me to the cookout, to nothing. I'm just going to have to stay at my house and go for it. Just not, you know, I know they're done. I'm not going to be able to make it to any of the gatherings anymore. But it was the exact opposite. I was embraced. Not only that, but some people that I had known my whole life, I mean, my entire life spoke up to me and said, thank you. I thought it was just me. You are not the only one. You know what I mean? And now I have the courage to say something. And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. If that is not purpose. You know, when I did various speaking engagements, I have people that I've never met. You know, the book is available on Amazon. People that I have never met are reaching out to me and saying, wow, you know, the way you laid it out, I would have never, ever had the courage to say (laughs) any of that, you know, but I had the courage to speak to my daughter and acknowledge that something was going on. I was able to talk to my son and realize that something wasn't quite right. And that helped my family. It was it, it has been an overwhelmingly amazing experience to just be able to connect to people in such a way and say that it's okay. It is okay to, to, to speak up, to speak out, and to even say the words. Yeah. I think we have grown so much systematically mm-hmm. that some of these things are now being talked about. And my, one of my goals in, in my practices in, and in this platform is to bring these conversations from the back room to the front porch. And the, yes. reason the analogy, the back room is because that's where all the secrets are. Yeah. That's where, you know, the conversations are not happening, but if we can have those hard conversations and bring those conversations from that quiet back room where everyone is whispering to the front porch so everybody can hear it. We can not only hold people accountable for their actions, Mm -hmm. but we can also help heal a generation of women coming behind us. You know, women when it comes to this type of abuse, but we can stop some of the negative social reactions, family reactions, when it comes to, to this. And I think, you know, we've gotten a little better, but we still have a very long way to go when it comes to discussions, discussing sexual abuse in our families. You are 100% correct. Mm-hmm. Yes, bring it from the back room to the front porch. I love that so much. So in your book, you, you um, noted that these are ripped pages from your diary. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about being that young girl who was taking to her diary to write about some terrible things that were happening. Tell us about it. Okay. So I was silenced, like quite literally 
if you tell this is going to happen to you, if you tell this is going to happen to your mom and so on and so forth. So yeah, I took to my diary and I quite vividly wrote everything. Um, and I said it in a, one of my speaking engagements, like I didn't lock the diary up with one of those little cheap, cute little locks that, you know, the key was worthless. I know I left it wide open. Like I would put it like right here where I think somebody would find it and just help me because I was screaming silently. You know, I love my mom. I love my brother. I love my family. And I would do absolutely anything in the world for them and to keep them from experiencing any type of pain. So no, I didn't say anything, but I wrote it all down in that diary. And as the <laughs> title would suggest, those pages were ripped from my diary. To date, I still have no idea who ripped the pages from my diary, but the book um, includes all of the things that I can remember. So yeah. That, that has to be hard. And the analogy of you placing this diary strategically in places, hoping that someone will find it. Uh-huh. For the pages to be ripped from it, I think it's powerful. And you having to go back and kind of fill in those, those, those spots. So kudos mm-hmm. to you for allowing that wall to come down so that you can have not only conversations with other people, but you mm-hmm. can have necessary conversations with yourself. Yes. Yes. Let me tell you, I wrote the book, published the book, put it out there for everybody to purchase. But guess what? I got my author's copy, right? And I literally sat down in my little quiet place. Everybody needs one. And I read the book from, you know, front to back, from cover to cover, which, you know, it doesn't take long, y'all. Let me just put that out there. But, you know, and I was like, wow, girl, this is what you put out there? You know, wow, some of those things are just still coming up and coming out of me. And it, and when I tell you it, it was something to just face the words, you know, I said them out loud, but just to go back and read those and reflect on those and use the workbook myself, you know, cause this is for me, right? And if I'm helping me, I have to help me before I can help you, right? right. So they always say, put your oxygen mask on first. Absolutely. Hello? Absolutely. <laughs> put yours on first, right? Hello? Right. And so I don't, I, I just, oh my goodness, you guys. I, I'm really, really happy. Like I'm truly happy, yeah. you know? I was, I've always been able to put on many hats in the past and wear many masks. But this is me. I am happy. I, I am still growing and still processing, you know, some of my very own words, mm-hmm. some of my own emotions. And that is, you know, an ongoing journey. Right. Right. It is. It is definitely an ongoing journey. And you're doing it with so much grace and so much strength. And just to see you and how you give these conversations and empower women in this area of sexual abuse is, it's outstanding. It's astonishing to see you do that. Well, um, thanks for that. You mentioned dark, being in a dark place. Uh-huh. How did you maneuver through that dark space in your life? How did you, how did you maneuver through that dark space? Well, 
and by dark, I meant literally not wanting to live. Like literally, I'm going to drink this bleach. This is as a kid, you guys. You know, I'm going to go drink this bleach. I'm done. I'm checking out. No, I'm, hey, I'm done with it. I can't deal with this pain anymore. So I'm done. And it literally took me realizing what I needed to live for or why I needed to be on this earth. So it was a, one Friday night. I'm like, I'm going to drink this bleach, blase, 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 read the book. But I had a moment, you know, you need to live. You need to live. And when I got to that point of actually understanding like, okay, there's, there's some reason that you need to be here. I worked to, you know, I guess process my feelings, process my thoughts and emotions and why am I going through all this? What is the point? And I thought about, well, you know, there, you won't be here experiencing something that doesn't have a purpose. So I'm like, God, why are you let me go through this? I've never done anything to anybody. <laughs> Hello? So as I got closer and closer to God, because we all know, well, let me be clear. I had to shut all of that down. I was like, nope, there's no God. There's no this, there's no that, because there's no way I would be going through any of this. Once I got closed, once I, allowed, once I took my hands off of it <laughs> and said, this is much bigger than me, I, I processed it all. I just allowed myself to begin the healing process and say, hey, I'm, I'm here for a purpose. And so that catapulted me into trying to find that purpose and exactly why I'm here. What God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And once I figured that out, there was no stopping me. I wanted to live. <laughs> I wanted everybody else to not just exist, but mm-hmm. live. Right. Live there, whatever you are, whoever you are, however you are, be right. that. <laughs> There, there is so much happiness in being in a place of peace. Oh, yes. There's so much happiness in being in a place of peace and truth. When you can, when you can live in peace and truth. Right there. You, you pretty much, you're doing good. <laughs> you're doing really good. But the journey to get to that can uh-huh. be twisting and winding. It can be hills and valleys. It can be really difficult. During your time, did you seek out mental health therapy as you were getting older and you were no longer in the situation? Did you have a mental health person that you spoke to to kind of help you through the process? No, I did not. Now, we talked about going from the back room to the front porch, right? I, I, I did everything small. Right. I took little steps, little steps, little steps. But then I climbed up out of that valley and I did not even seek mental health services or support until this year. Very recently, actually. Yeah. And how has that helped you to stay in a good space? How has that been for you because a lot of times we go through things and we we are you know we're troubled through as my grandma said we troubled through things for for a while 
and we don't get the help that we need. And then we finally decide, okay, let me go ahead and tell this strange person all my business and let me go ahead and, and do that. Where do you feel like if you had had that support earlier on, Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that would have made uh, a difference or a change for you? Of course. Mm-hmm. Of course. You know, I, I definitely feel as if if we just allow someone to help us, you know, allow yourself to say, this is not okay. I don't want to feel this way. Get out of your own way. And allow someone to support you. You don't have to do it all on your own. If I had had that a long time ago, then I would have been much further, I would say, along my journey much sooner. Do you consider yourself in this space healing or healed? Healing. My journey continues. Mm -mm. No, it's not a, a... I wrote a book, so now I'm okay. You know, I mean, no, definitely not. It's a process. It is a journey. You can say that a thousand times because it's true. Right. Yeah. So no, I'm still on that journey. So we have talked a lot about how things started for you up until reading the book. What are some things that you do, um, on a regular basis for self-care to ensure that you are staying mentally well during this time? I take time. You know how we like to say there's not enough hours in the day? Oh yeah, there, there are enough hours in the day. You just have to manage that time. What I do is create a balance for me. I have to start my day off with meditation and prayer. I always steal away. Um, even my husband and I, we do this thing called cheating on our kids. Well, we'll, <laughs> we'll go and, you know, sit in the cor- sit in the car and just have a slice of cheesecake or some ice cream or some candy before we pick up the kids or I'll come and, you know, get pampered. Even if it means just slapping on some nail polish in a quiet space, taking time for me. That's how I do it, you know, to ensure my mental health. I meditate, I do my affirmations, and I literally take time from everything just to forget it all or, you know, just step away and reset if I need to. That's, that is necessary. And you have to be intentional about that time. Hmm. Definitely. So we've had a wonderful conversation, but before we end the conversation, I always pull a card from my manifest dish card deck. It's yeah. a positive affirmation. So I've shuffled the deck and I'm going to pull a card. And I want you to tell me the first thing that comes to your mind when I pull this positive affirmation and if it resonates with you. Okay. Shuffle them up. Let's get it. What you got? The affirmation says the therapeutic process will work if I do my part. I will commit to doing my part. Ooh, child. Do your part. It's just like the commitment, accountability. That's what I got. That's what resonates with me. You know, even so I'm on this water journey. I'm trying to hydrate, you know, and so I have some accountability, accountability partners. But at the end of the day, 
I have to do my part or all of the planning, all of, none of it works without the execution. So that's what I got from that. Do your part. That was bold. And that's what I'm doing. I, I, I often tell clients, you know, this therapeutic process won't work unless you do your part. You know, you have to show up, show up, mm-hmm. show up vulnerable, you know, and sometimes we feel like we're stuck and nothing is happening, but we sometimes we got to check ourselves and make sure that we're doing what we're supposed to do, making sure that we are being the best version of ourselves that we can be when we show up in these spaces, especially when people are trying to help us. Exactly. Yes. So thank you, Ms. Merritt, for joining us today on the therapist space. This has been a wonderful and intriguing conversation. Before we get out of here, I would like for you to tell our listeners where they can find you on social media so they can follow you. And if they're interested in purchasing your book, how they can do so. And we'll also add the link to your book in the show notes. Absolutely. You guys, you can find me by searching Pretty Powerful Purpose. That's Pretty Powerful Purpose on Facebook, YouTube, and or Google. Actually, the book is Ripped Pages from My Diary, Writing Wrong Touch by yours truly, Alicia Tiggs Merritt. And you can find that on Amazon.com. There's a paper format, ebook, and or a hard cover card cover so you guys are always able to find me (laughs) thank you so much alicia i am so excited to air this particular episode it's been good and to know you personally and your your journey it makes me so very proud of this for you i'm so excited to see all of the wonderful things that you're going to be doing thank you so much have a wonderful day do the same gorgeous take care you enjoyed this episode of the therapist space these conversations are not a substitute for an ongoing mental health relationship with a professional my wish for you is that you become more comfortable with bringing the conversation from the back room to the front porch and if you're interested in starting your own private practice or just learning more about mental wellness visit my website at www.jocelyngavinlane.com Or you can follow me on Instagram for daily inspiration and helpful tips. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe and leave a review so that I can continue to provide some meaningful content for you. I love staying connected with my listeners. Every other Thursday, I will host Ask Your Favorite Therapist. So if you would like to submit a question for me to discuss on Instagram Live, just click the link in my show notes and I will go live every other Thursday to answer your burning questions regarding mental health therapy and everything in between. Thank you. And I hope that you enjoyed this episode of The Therapist Space. See you soon.